Okay, we're going to begin this story. It's called Northcote, started this way. It's one of the last stories in Iterum Life Book 3, Ivy House Tales, New Bolingbroke, 1970 to 1984. 1984 had been predicted as a terminal year by a popular author many years previously. The end of ECYB. For us, it had been 1983 that resulted in terminal meltdown of our 10-year-old tyre distribution business. The UNRWA contract had gone following our final payments of monies owed as a result of the Loughborough management debacle. I suppose I'd been partly to blame as I'd left, left a manager in total charge while I concentrated on the roller coaster export trade created by Fawcett and Thorne at Lincoln. During those fantastic six months created by the reversal of the value of the pound, we'd enjoyed very good earnings. Then tyres had been stolen from our uniroyal stock at Loughborough and we, that is myself and Ruth, were liable for the loss. Over £10,000 of the tyres had disappeared. The manager found who had done it, the perpetrator was prosecuted and went to jail, but the fact remained, the money had to be paid back. Drastic measures were taken. We sold the Loughborough depot with its remaining uniroyal contract to a friendly local haulier for a token pound to relieve us of all the leases. And we continued uniroyal distribution in the east of England. Uniroyal agreed to a fixed percentage being repaid from our monthly earnings, but the writing was on the wall regarding the whole entrepot system. They were to stop using independent traders. I suppose our excessive earnings with Fawcett and Thorne's black export was partly to blame. This rapidly increasing strain and stress resulted in huge family friction and enforced a move of depot from home to Horncastle. One of the final meetings with our then accountants was to try and persuade us not to move and ride out the storm at home. But it could not be and Station Yard Horncastle became the new ECYB base in early 1980. With the sale of Loughborough, the manager left and eventually went to work for Uniroyal. His miserly offer of £1 for Loughborough and its contract after it had been largely his fault that we were now faced with a colossal sum to repay had been unforgivable. Look at the facts that eventually we would not have Uniroyal distribution as our base business had made me look at every possible option for the future. The Lincoln Spiv story covers our investigation into lorry tyre remoulding, which would have been very successful if it had got off the ground. The, the Spiv's extreme annoyance at not getting a chance to take us over resulted in the eventual unbearable pressure put on us by Midland Bank at Lincoln, and, and that in, enforced the final crash. I must add that a knight in shining armour in the form of an accountant from Peterborough who did his best to keep us afloat. He could see the potential of the contract I'd won from the Time Manufacturers Conference and after 18 months of hard slog and thousands of miles of travel throughout England, Scotland and Wales we were to handle the national the total national collection of all major brand tyres under adjudication for manufacturing complaint. We were to deliver them all to one examination centre at Burton-on-Trent and the other two existing examination centres were to be closed. I had set up the regional collection centres and developed the system of rigid lorries with demountable bodies using very second-hand vehicles to begin with.
The accountant friend left no stone unturned in his effort to help, all at no charge, a true Christian. To make the whole idea profitable, I'd coupled this basic contract in with distribution work from five importers of tyres manufactured overseas. These businesses were based in places where we would be collecting the complaint tyres and leaving empty demountable box bodies for picking up next time. This would give us back loads and avoid running lorries empty. Six collection depots were set up nationally in all corners of the UK and began to operate. I'd proved that my ideas would work, but our bank would not allow any further capital for development of the idea. I'm still firmly convinced that the SPIV was putting pressure on the bank to stop our development out of spite. We had good spare collateral in our lovely Georgian country house and the bank held the deeds. The main problem was they would not allow us any movement in any direction except down. In the contract with the TMC was a clause that if my company was to liquidate then we would lose the contract. The bank would not budge and despite our accountant friend and I travelling countrywide to find a solution nothing could be done in time. My final visit to Midland Bank in Lincoln and dismantling their office desk with my boot did not help, but made me feel much better at the time. One and a half years of work on developing the TMC distribution, ten years of ECYB all ended in that liquidation. We finally ran out of working capital. My innocence of how big companies work within the old boys network had lost me my whole business. The tyre manufacturer, a tyre manufacturer's subsidiary haulage company simply moved in where I had left off. All the hard work had been done. There are several other stories from around this time that are worth listening to. Our Trout, The School and Christmas with Beryl. This was not a good time. Our house had to be sold to pay off the bank and we were going to be homeless. Another home had to be found. So the next story you should listen to is Buying Northcote. There we are. Thanks for listening to that one. Um, as I told you just now, lots of other stories to listen to on this Buzzsprout site. And they're all in books. And the books are free to download. Um, have a look at the links at Cracker Books on Facebook. Thank you for listening.